We are in a series called Help. Today is actually the first one, and this message is entitled Help, I Need Somebody. So we're going to take a look a little bit at loneliness today. It's kind of hard to believe that we can be lonely when we have so much technology around us that seems to connect us with one another. For instance, like this cell phone, this trio cell phone. On average, the stats say that we talk 619 minutes a month to each other on this cell phone. We can talk to any, anybody, anywhere, anytime. And when we can't talk, we've got the good old what? Text messaging, right? And stats say in April of this year, we texted each other 10 billion times in, in, in the U.S. So we've got a lot to say to a lot of people, and technology allows us to do that. For instance, this computer. This is like a household appliance that is required these days, isn't it? I mean, this in broadband. You need this. And they say that we sit in front of this thing 31 hours a month, which I think is conservative. I think we, we sit in front of this thing a lot more than that. But we use it to connect with one another globally. We use stuff like email, instant messenger, you know, your buddies. And uh, the teens were here in the first service. They're like, hey, don't forget Facebook and MySpace, all these online profiles. So we've got all this technology to help us connect. And we're able to connect easier than we ever could before. And you would think, hey, we must feel fulfilled relationally. I mean, we got all this stuff that connects us. But that's not true. Because what I hear from you and what I'm reading is I hear not just about group stuff where people are struggling with groups, but relational life. When you talk to me about your relationships and what I'm reading, the two are lining up. Because things I'm hearing are like, I feel like I'm missing something. I kind of feel disconnected, Rob. It's not that I'm not around people. I mean, I am. And it's not that I'm idle because I'm always moving about. But I feel like I'm missing something in my relationships. I wish that they would go deeper. And then for those people say, hey, I got Sunday morning. That's awesome. I love that. And I love group. I mean, I got that, but that's only like two times a month. Why is it so difficult for us to meet outside of Sunday? Can't we, can't we do something else? I'm having a hard time getting us all together. And so I think we're experiencing some loneliness We have that painful awareness that our relationships aren't right. And we have this desire inside to want to change that. Loneliness, we all experience it. We will throughout our lives. We'll experience loneliness. There is no one age, race, gender status that has the corner or the market on loneliness. We all go through it. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that. And if you look at Scripture you will not see it specifically show up a lot, but you will see it a lot in Scripture. Like in big names like Moses, Elijah, David, Job, Jesus, Paul talked about being lonely. So I want to look at loneliness this morning. When you look inside Scripture, what you'll see is a story about a people who are separated and alone and trying to go at it alone and by themselves. But you'll also see a God who loves them so much and who is constantly trying to redeem them from this isolation and from the separation into community with himself and with others. And when I was 
working on this message, I struggled because loneliness can be, there's so many different factors of loneliness. And I'm like, I got 20 minutes, 25 minutes to talk about this. But people are suffering from loneliness because of death, divorce, physical illness, poor family relationships. And so I really struggle with what angle do I take with this? And as real as those are, as I prayed about it, I felt that what we needed to talk about was how our own individualism and how our own society is causing us to be lonely. A certain kind of loneliness that's been called crowded loneliness. I want to look at crowded loneliness. It's a term that Randy Frazee uh, uses in his book called Making Room for Life. And it has to do with the simple fact that we are never alone, but yet we often feel lonely. And the dilemma is we're too busy and too distracted to actually develop and maintain relationships that would help us. We think that simply joining a group or getting a set of friends will fix the problem. And it can. It truly can. But as we go through this this morning, I hope that you see you have to be part of the chemistry that makes that happen. It's not just going and joining a group. You've got to be part of what's going to make that happen. But crowded loneliness, if you're suffering from that, then most likely your life is preventing you from being able to experience health in your relationships. I want to paint a picture for you of what I mean by crowded loneliness, and we can dig through this a little bit. I'm going to use an example from family life, but not everybody is in that same situation, so just think about what it is for you. But for a family during the week, typically what will happen is one of you will get up, you both get up early, you'll exercise, you'll have your quiet time, you'll go eat, you'll shower hopefully before you leave for work, you'll, you'll go grab your kid, take them, one of you will take them to school, maybe the other one will stay behind, and your wife will take them later on and then go on into work. But you both, one of you works through lunch so that you can pick up the kids after school so that you can start to shuttle them around to different activities. So you leave early, and you go take your son to the guitar lesson. But before you do that, you got to get him fed because it's close to dinner time. He won't be back till later. So you run by McDonald's, but before you get to the guitar lesson, you go by home, drop the other kid off, kiss your wife, head on out the door, go to the guitar lesson. She goes out, takes the other one to gymnastics, and then somewhere around 8 or 9 o'clock, you both and the kids land back together. They do homework. You get them in bed. Once they're in bed, you fire this thing back up because you left early for the day, right? So you want to get your emails all fired off. You go to bed, and you repeat that cycle for five days. Now, insert different activities, because most families usually have kids involved in different things. Then the weekend becomes all that stuff you couldn't do, and typically it's three things. You shuttle kids around some more on the weekend, you take care of the house, and you get to church. That's all that you can do at that time. And that's because your life does not allow for it. There's no time in there to, to nurture and develop relationships like we need to be doing. We have exposure to many people, right? We're, we're meeting people all along, along the way. But no deep connection with one another. And that's what's hurting us. That's why we're crying out for more in our relationships. New Thing Network, which is a nonprofit organization that's involved in church planting, 
they did a um, Bible study recently, and they had some telling statistics in there that I, I thought was good to share here. It says, playing cards as a social activity is down 25%. The number of full-service restaurants is down 25%, and fast food outlets have increased by 100% as more people eat alone and in cars. Family dinners are down 33%. Having friends over for dinner is down 45%. I like this one. In 1980 to 1993, bowling was, the, was America's number one participant sport and was up 10%. Now the number of bowling leagues is down 40% and more people bowl alone. God didn't design us to be alone. It's not who he is. I mean, he lives in community himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, all interacting. And we are created in his image. So why should it surprise us that inside we have this deep, deep longing and desire to be with people that's woven into the fabric of who we are? Our desire to belong is built in because God created us with a connection requirement. If you look at passages like Genesis 2.18, where it says it is not good for man to be alone. Look at passages in the New Testament, like Luke 10, where he says, love the Lord our God with all, with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. And then he goes, love your neighbor as yourself. God knew that it would not be what would solve our loneliness, but it would be who would solve our loneliness. And I think we actually get that in our head. I don't think we all struggle with that. I think we know, but in our heart, do we actually believe that if we don't get it, we will suffer? It is like not getting air. It will affect us. Do we really believe that? We've got to start considering our relational life. And it starts with our relationship with God because that one affects all others. He says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? What if my idea of love is all messed up? Then loving you is not going to be fun for you or for me. Because two things are going to happen. You're not going to like the way I love you, so you're going to kind of avoid me. That's going to get me upset, and I'm going to become more lonely because we're just going to be moving away from each other. So we've got to make it a priority to be with God. Spend time in his word. Spend time praying because when we do that, he is going to change us. And we're not going to be able to ignore the fact that our salvation connects us with him, yes, but it also connects us with one another. He knows that relationships have so many benefits for us. Look at Ecclesiastes 4. It says that two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. And God calls us in our relationships to have qualities like this. In Galatians 6, he says, carry each other's burdens. In 1 Thessalonians, he says, encourage one another and build each other up. Warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with one another. These kinds of relationships take time to develop. And we've got to ask ourselves, is that possible? Can we do that? Does it fit into our life? And as you look at that schedule that we just talked about, you'll see that we have a lot of activities and a lot of relationships that we're managing. 
And I think that's actually contributing to our crowded loneliness that we're feeling. A healthy relational life depends on many things, not just on the quantity of your relationships, but the depth and the quality of those relationships. And I think crowded loneliness has us running around from one obligation to another that most of our time is being spent in public kinds of relating spaces. We are missing out on social and personal relations because social is where I'm going to share a little bit about who I am with you. We do that out in the lobby. That's a social space. And then personal relationships, that's where I'll let you in on a little bit more of who I am. I'm going to share my thoughts and my feelings with you. But crowded loneliness is kind of, we're missing those. They've kind of pushed them out of our lives. So we don't have those social. We don't have those personal relationships like we should. And we need all of them together. We need all of those. And I think the industry gets this. Because if you go to Starbucks, what do they have? Look, it's a living room. It's that personal space, and they're inviting you in. Hey, come on, slow down, Rob. Come on in. Come talk to your neighbor. And then, uh, like, Falls River, uh, the church office is over near Falls River, so I go running in that neighborhood a lot. Huge sidewalks, big common areas, front porches. They're trying to get us to come out and socialize with one another as we're cutting the grass and doing these other things. Look at the malls these days, right? Cobblestone streets, condominiums up on the side. It's because we are missing those kinds of relational spaces in our lives. And the industry gets that, but we don't. It's not just the quantity of relationships. We need the quality and the depth as well. So let's look for the qualities. Let's look at Acts. Let's look at the book of Acts, at the early church, to to look at the kinds of qualities they had in their relationships so that we can understand with one another, what are the qualities when we're spending time together? What are some of the things we should be doing together? Let me read from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When I read that, I see quite a few qualities that I want to talk about today, qualities that were important to them. First off, connecting with one another. Connection was important. They realized that relationships were important, and if, if I'm going to be in relationship, then that, they knew it meant that I had to be around the other people, and they made that happen. But we try to do that without being around one another. Our schedule's crowded out. But if we want to see change in our relationships and have an impact on others and they, them have an impact on us, then we've got to make being with one another a value. We've got to put that as a priority in our lives. Because if we do that, if it becomes a priority, then we'll make ourselves available to one another. And availability makes or breaks 
relationships. And I think they got that here. It says that they continued to meet together. They could only do this if they arranged their schedule such that they could be there for one another. And as they were there, it says needs were being met. So we know you can't plan for a crisis. You can't plan for an emergency. Well, neither could they. So they had to deal with some spontaneity in their life. They had to be able to change the course and not do something that they had originally planned to take care of something else. Spontaneity is important, not only in the time of crisis, but spontaneity just in normal relationship with one another adds, uh, it, it like enriches our times together. It can provide for memorable moments. Now, Donnie was in here in the first service and was laughing, saying, Rob's talking about spontaneity? <laughs> Come on, did he forget that trip we took to Orlando? And he's complaining the whole way that, hey, we shouldn't be doing that. We need to get here, here, here. But, uh, you know, I'm learning. I'm learning. Just the other night, and this is to show you that I am learning. The other night, our family went for a walk. We had the dog and the kids. And um, on the way back, Kim said, hey, let's play a game. Who wants to play a game? We'll play life when we get home. Kids are like, yeah, we do. I'm like, in my head, I didn't say this. I'm like, oh, this was not in my plans for the evening. (laughs) I'm not thinking about doing this. So, you know, that seemed to ring in my head as I was taking a few more paces. Like, "What what are you telling your kids? What are they thinking right now? And Kim had this look about her. But I said, hey, I want to play. Not because of the look, but just because I knew that was the right thing to do. (laughs) So... We went home, we played the game of life, and I can truly tell you that that evening will be a highlight for the summer. As my kids are out for the summer, that was a highlight for me. That was a great summer evening. But I had to learn how to be spontaneous. And those, if we can do that, that livens up our times together. The other quality I see is participation. We read that uh, the early church, they were devoted to themselves and in the relationship. They didn't sit back and expect um, you to cater to me. They didn't think a relationship was something like they purchased and then they just sat back and were taken care of. And I say that because many times we pursue friendships and relationships because of what it means to us. What am I going to get out of this? And then as soon as that starts to break down and we don't get out of it what we should then we start the same old thing. We get frustrated. We see little impact in the relationship. We get quiet. We act different. They sense it. They pull away. We pull away, and we're lonely. I mean, participation, that all plays a part in it. And the early church understood their giftedness, and they jumped in and participated to make a difference in one another's lives. They made a difference through care and service. That was another quality that they valued. It says that they took care of each other's needs as they saw them, selling possessions and giving things away. And so that should give us cause to look around ourselves and say, am I looking for the needs of those that are around me, you know, 24 hours a day, or not just while I'm at home, but at work? Do I see somebody that's struggling, and how could I help them? And, and one thing I thought as reading this, I was like, how do they, how do they, get their attention off of themselves? How do they not act self-centered? Because I know I struggle with that. And I think verse 42 gives us a clue because it says that they were devoted to fellowship with one another, but with God, a fellowship that included spiritual growth. When you read that verse, it says that they were in there learning the teachings. They were in praying. It was important to them. Spiritual growth was important to them. They put it at the center of 
who they were. And verse 47 gives the result. It says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. For them, evangelism meant just living their life. That demonstrated qualities that drew people in to God. And I can guarantee you that people will be spending eternity with God because of their kind of community that they offered. And so we should think, hey, do our relationships have those kinds of qualities in them? Are we making ourselves available and are we participating in our relationships in such a way? Am I doing my part to make those qualities available in these relationships? And you may be saying, Rob, that worked in biblical times. It may have worked in the agricultural times, but it doesn't work now. It can't. We don't have time. But it can work. I mean, I've seen it here in this church. There have been two families recently that dealt with the crowded loneliness thing, and they solved it. So it is possible, but it's going to take time. It's going to take work. It's not something we can cure instantly. There's no microwave solution, no chia pet solution, none of that. It takes time. And it will take some change. And for some, it will be radical change. But we've got to get started. And we can start by just asking ourselves some, some questions. Start to do some self-assessing. Like, we, let's consider why we're in this rat race of crowded loneliness. Ask, ask ourselves, what, what am I pursuing? I mean, do my kids need all of these things? Why, why am I trying to give them all of this? Are all these experiences so that they can get further in life? And am I trying to do all this so that we can maintain our current lifestyle? Because what that is saying, I'm valuing that above everything else, and I'm okay with the loneliness that I'm feeling. So we've got to start asking ourselves questions like that. I put here, and I think this is important, that you may not feel lonely, But you, because of, and me, because of your priorities, you may not be lonely, but others around you may be lonely because of where you've put your priorities. And we've got to start asking ourselves questions of like, what can I do to help those around me, to help them out? We need to be intentional with our decisions in life. And we'd be wise to assess them based on the words that Jesus used on the mountainside one time. In Matthew 6, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I ask myself, does my life allow me to develop relationships that are deep and meaningful? Or am I putting my priority on something that won't last at all and it's affecting my life and making me feel lonely? Change is possible and crowded loneliness can be relieved for you and by you. And I want you to hear that this morning. I want to close with a refreshing story. My son Nick played baseball this season in, in the spring. And his two coaches just, uh, they amazed me at how they valued certain things. The first exercise that he taught the kids was the name game. 
And I'm, I'm telling Kim, whoa, are they going to learn any more than this? Because every, at every practice, the first thing that they were doing was the name game. And until they learned everybody's name, it stopped eventually, but they learned everybody's name. And I liked, like, it was the third, third practice. No coaches there. Kids get there early. What did they do? Instead of running out to the field, they went into the dugout. They did the name game. And then they went out to the field and started doing the mechanics of the game. And I thought that was so refreshing. And I watched the coaches. They taught them the technical skills, and that was excellent. I mean, Nick needed that, and he grew leaps and bounds. They taught the technical skills, but they also taught the teaming kinds of skills. When the world would say, hey, just win. Will you get us above 500? Win. Do whatever you have to to win. They held all the way through the whole season. They held boldly to the fact that it's not just about winning. It's about working hard and the teaming aspect of it. They did end up above 500, and Nick, my son, had a fabulous time. I mean, he smiled and strutted across that field like, you know, I hadn't seen him do before. And I believe that leadership and relationship had something to do with that. And throughout the season, I got to learn a little bit about this one coach as, as we socialized together, and he was sharing about his story. And after hearing it all, I realized why he was the way he was on that field. Because one year, is actually one year ago, he was in D.C. He, all his family was up there. He's an IT specialist, so he's working up there. He was commuting one hour and 40 minutes a day to work. He'd leave five or six in the morning and then wait till traffic went away, and then he'd come back eight or nine at night. So he's spending three hours and 20 minutes a day on the road alone. And he and his wife, after years of this, said, this, this is not right. We're missing out on life. We're missing out together. We're missing out on our family. We've got to do something about this. And so they looked at their life, and they made changes. They moved down here to North Carolina. His commute's now 20 minutes a day. And he said he gained back 42 days of waking hours a year. And he, said, he pointed, he said, I wouldn't trade it for the world, Rob. He said, I wouldn't be able to do this. And he points to his son, meaning I wouldn't be able to spend time with him. And he said, and I wouldn't be able to do this. And he circles up to the kids saying, I wouldn't be able to be there and have this time with the kids. I wouldn't trade it for the world, he said. And so for him, it was change. It was major change because his whole family was back in D.C. And for it, the point of this isn't the commute because we don't have commutes here in, in Raleigh. That's not the point. But we have other things that can distract us. For some, it may be your work. Because maybe you do head out that door. You come home, you sit at the dinner table, but you're not really there in your mind. As soon as it's done, you're back up and you're working. Or maybe it is the kids' activities. That so much is going on. We're running kids to five different activities during the week. That there's no such thing as family time. There's no such thing as personal relationships and nurturing them. Socializing, forget that, I don't have time. Maybe that's what it's about. And so what I like about Coach's story a lot is they looked at their situation and they recognized what was wrong. And then they evaluated their life and they made some changes. And now they're more fulfilled. And in that fulfillment, they're impacting the lives of others. And I love that story. So this morning, think about your own relationships, your own relational life. And are you satisfied with that? Think of the qualities. Think of the number of relationships you have and the depths of those relationships. And, and, and if you're not happy, start taking measures to move away from just mere connectedness 
to true community.